You are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at expectations from different angles. The first week I spoke about expect the unexpected, about dealing with disappointment, and talked about the former Prime Minister David Cameron's quote, which I thought was just wonderful. There's a gap between expectation and reality. And he was talking about his special needs son who had since died, but just dealing with the gap between expectation and reality. And I made the comment that we often take the score at halftime. Andrew informed me I successfully used a sports analogy. I think that needs to be, if you feel the need to applaud me on that, you can. Uh, because men's sports aren't great. So we often take the score at halftime and we've got to learn to hold judgment and lean forward in expectation as to what God will do and trust him. And underneath it all, I'm sure you've all hit that point where there's so many things going on and you're thinking of ways to sort it and what could happen and you just don't know. And you eventually hit the place you needed to hit, which was all I've got left is trust. That in the, we talked about the disciples who had left Jerusalem and were on the journey to Emmaus, and it was in their attempts to process what had happened together as they dialogued that Jesus showed up in a form that they couldn't recognize him in, and he called them back to reality and helped them process where they'd been. And to put to all of us that we need to keep talking, whether it is that we're heading in the wrong direction, as long as we keep talking and trying to process the things that are happening, we should be expecting that God is going to meet us. And thanks to Andrew for last week's message. I listened to it, I think, about four or five times. Last week, he was speaking to us about a heavenly perspective, and he looked at the mindset and the attitude of the prodigal son and also the father. And on our small group, it was really quite emotional. Uh, as uh, some people were sharing about what they noticed about the father, that as Jesus portrayed the father in the prodigal son, and then Andrew also commented about how we bridge the gap between our expectation and reality is by our relationship with God. And I would also say, if there are gaps in other relationships, how we bridge it is by attending to the relationship and saying there's a gap here. And today I want to, this is probably one of the longest titles. I couldn't get it, I couldn't get it any more concise, so bear with me. Here's the title of today's message. The contempt that comes from familiarity versus the love that flows from intimacy. So the contempt that comes from familiarity versus the love that flows from intimacy. And the phrase familiarity breeds contempt, I'm sure you're all familiar with. And the theologian Warren Wearsby comments on it like this, which is brilliant. Familiarity breeds contempt is a well-known maxim that goes all the way back to Publius the Syrian who lived in 2 BC. And Aesop wrote a fable to illustrate it. And in Aesop's fable, a fox had never seen a lion. And when he first met the king of the beasts, the fox was nearly frightened to death. At the second meeting, the fox wasn't frightened quite as much and the third time he met the lion, the fox went up and chatted with him. And so it is, Aesop concluded, that familiarity makes even the most frightening things seem quite harmless. And also, this is just Collins, but familiarity makes the most beautiful things seem quite dull over a period of time. And Jesus said in Mark 6, 4, that a prophet is not without honor 
except in his own time among his relatives and his own home. And for those of you who are married or in relationship that is long-standing for any length of time, you begin to realize that your ability to communicate what is hidden to your spouse that you observe is seriously compromised by the familiarity that's present in your relationship. Any nods there? No? Anyone? Just a few smiles. Evidenced by the fact that maybe for the past 10 years you've been saying to them to stop doing something or start doing something and then one day they say that this new guy John started in work and they just seem to mention something and I then they'll say do you know as he mentioned that I was thinking I need to stop doing that which point do you think no they're just never going to listen to me it's a thing it, it just is a thing that when we are so close that quite often the familiarity will start to bring contempt. And I just want to say, we're not called to change our spouse, we're called to love them. And perfected agape love is the most powerful force of change in all of creation. Familiarity can breed contempt in all of our relationships. And we want to talk a little bit this morning about the older brother's perspective. He obviously was one of the characters in the prodigal son. And we cannot miss that Jesus is absolutely brilliant. And it's easy to really miss that he's absolutely brilliant because familiarity breeds, even though you're all muted, you've all said contempt. There's the prodigal son in this story who leaves and squanders. Then there's the brother who stays and resents. And then there's the father who loves. And you and I have to recognize ourselves in the story and not identify as in, well, one time I was the prodigal son, so I can't be anybody else. We have to uh, be able to identify with whoever we are identifying with at that time and who the Spirit reveals to us the part that we're playing. And sometimes you might be the servant, and sometimes you might be somebody else in the background, or sometimes you might have been one of the people that the prodigal son was working for in the land that he shouldn't have been in. But we're talking about the father who loves, the brother who stays and resented, and the prodigal son who left and squandered. So I'm going to read the story to you. Just bear with me. I think it's a value to do that. It gives us a bit of context. I'm going to expand it a little bit, and then we're going to, I'm just going to make some points and then finish off and minister to us. So this is found in Luke 15, and we're starting at verse 12, if you want to join with me. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger son said to him, Father, give me my share of the estate, so he divided his property between them. After a few days, the younger son got everything together and journeyed to a distant country. So the father got this done pretty quickly, where the prodigal son squandered his wealth and wild living. After he'd spent all he had, a severe famine swept through that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his field to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his belly with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one would give him a thing. Finally, he came to his senses, or as Andrew said, he got some revelation. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have plenty of food, but here I am starving to death. I'll get up, go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hard hands. Time out for a second is that I would totally rehearse when there are difficult conversations. Is anybody else like that? You think about the different things you're going to say, think about the responses or reactions that the other person could have. And no, I'm on my own. Sorry, I just connect with the prodigal on that one. 
So he got up, went to his father, but while he was still in the distance, his father saw him, was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. And the son declared, Father, you could hear, right, this is the bit that I've got to do more harsh speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring in his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And as he approached the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has returned, he said, and your father has killed the fat calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry. Now, the word there for angry is um, the Greek word orgizo, which means expressing a fixed anger or a settled opposition. And it is it can be positive in that when it's inspired by God, but if it's inspired by the flesh and by the soul, it's negative. And it focuses on punishing the offender rather than the moral content of the offense. So basically, the older brother heard what his brother had done, his brother had returned, what the father was doing, and the older brother wanted blood. And then we go back to the passage. And it says that the older brother refused to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. Now, I want to highlight what that word is. Interestingly, it is parakaleo, which is the same word that we get for the Holy Spirit as in the paraclete. And it means to make a call from being up close and personal. So the father came and personally got a hold of him and implored and encouraged his son to come back into the house. And back to the passage again, this is verse 29. But he answered his father, look, all these years, here it all comes out. All these years I have served you and never disobey the commandment of yours. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when a son of yours returns from squandering your wealth with prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father says, son, you're always with me, the father said, and all that is mine is yours. But it was fitting to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The brother stayed, but he did not know Gnosko, Yada Gnosko. He didn't know the father. He didn't know who the father was. He didn't know what he was really like. He just got on with his work and he drifted away from his father by remaining. He therefore didn't know who he was as a son and he lived actually with exactly the same expectation his younger brother had when he was returning home as a hired hand. So the younger brother was willing to become a hired hand when actually the older brother had already drifted into that position. The difference is that his younger brother communicated his expectation to his father and the father's actions corrected his expectations. The older brother didn't want to say, maybe thought he'd appear ungrateful and, or he thought that in this culture we just get on with things or in this family we just get on with things. 
but he was ungrateful and he probably was looking forward to the death of his father so he could get his inheritance and then he'd not have to be a slave anymore. Perception is a really powerful thing, isn't it? Neither of them knew their father. And actually, the older brother is the classic first child. If you look at any uh, psychology assessments of the positions in a family, the first child tends to be dutiful, wants to please, doesn't want to upset the apple cart, probably too scared to communicate how he really felt for fear of being rejected. You and I can remain in functional relationship with God, working away for him, but drifting away from him as contempt slips quietly into our hearts. Then the prodigal returns and the father's demonstrated love and delight uncovers his, the older brother's contempt, his jealousy and the position that he's actually been in for probably quite a long time. The repentance of the younger son revealed the heart of the father and it also revealed the heart of the older son. So I wanna make the point that repentance turns the lights on in any circumstance. So just a quick comment. Do you want to see change in any circumstance? You can't bring about the change, but what you can do is repent of your stuff because it will turn the lights on for everybody in the house and it'll give them the, it won't force change but I'll give them the opportunity to repent and to get to know the Father again. At which point everyone in that house has a choice to refuse and leave, which is what the older brother was presented with, or to accept where he'd been or where we had been or those in the house that you're in had been and join in the celebration and live forwards with the courage to be the child that we actually are. So there's a love that flows from intimacy and what corrects contempt that comes from familiarity intimacy does that love flows from intimacy and recently on a course i'm doing at the minute the tutor described intimacy as into me see as in seeing into somebody relationship and appropriate intimacy is the oxygen of any relationship and just for a moment i want to speak about intimacy with our relationship with god and the older brother's mistake was that he had no intimacy with his father. He was with him, as the father commented, but he had no intimacy. And once the older brother revealed his real position, his real attitude, and his real perspective, the father was able to have the opportunity to influence his son with his love. And interestingly, we are never told whether the older brother actually came back into the house. We're told that he was given, his position was given correction, but we're not told as to whether he received that correction or not. And I assume because of Jesus's brilliance that that was intentional. And we're told that the father came out and pleaded with him. And the son said, Look, after all these years I have served you and never disobeyed a commandment of yours, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returns from squandering your wealth with prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father comments, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. The point I want to make there is we need to learn to ask. The older brother had everything that he needed 
and he was waiting for the father to give him something that the father had already granted him permission to take. It's having the account that has a hundred thousand in it, but you're not actually going to draw any money because of how that might look or whether you're allowed to or not, and you're not going to ask the question, listen, I have access to this. Am I allowed to use this? We have access. You and I are children of God, are we not? We're discovering that more and more all the time, hopefully, that we are children of God. And the reality is that you and I are more than trillionaires in the spirit. And yet, for a lot of the time, we are living in the disconnect that Andrew was talking about from the promises of God and the reality of our lives because we're not asking or we're not making the withdrawal that we need. James 4.6 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And the moment that the older son declared where he actually was, and possibly he wasn't aware of where he was. If you're like me, sometimes circumstances happen and you realize, oh my goodness, I didn't actually think like that. But the minute that the older brother stepped into reality where God was, grace was present. And I just want to remind us that God isn't present in fantasy. So as long as we're playing with lies, making agreements with lies, have the wrong perspective, we'll find that God will resist us, which is difficult to hear, isn't it? But we want to be in reality where he is. The moment that we get real and we get honest, grace is given. One son wanted out and he got out, he screwed up his life and he came home. The other son wanted out, remained, screwed up his life and was given the opportunity to come home to his father's love. And the father loved them both and he let them both decide. So you and I have got to decide what we want to do with what information we're being given about this father who loves us. So I want to ask us all to stand now. I'm going to give out our three questions as is normal to help us to consider and then I'm going to minister to us. So here are the questions to help you to respond. Is there any relationship in your life where familiarity has produced contempt and you recognize your need to renew intimacy and love to flow again? Is there any relationship in your life where any measure of familiarity has produced contempt and you've recognized that you need intimacy and you need to let love flow from that place? Then secondly, do you want to grow in your relationship with God via intimacy? Do you want to get to know him more and let him get to know you more? And then finally, is there anywhere in your life that you need to repent and turn towards God? You have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.